Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How are you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes. Welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, many, many ways of getting a show in addition to the way you downloaded today. You can also download directly from our website at techcentral.ie. Use a smartphone podcast app, iTunes, or you can turn us on the radio with DAB Digital Radio, RTE Radio and Extra. You'll find us every Friday. Later on, we're going to be finding out how the biggest little tech fest in Ireland is going from strength to strength. But first, joining me is always is Editor-in-Chief of Tech Central, Niall Kitson. Niall, lots of um, developing stories, I suppose, really, this week. Uh, let me start off with Windows 10 and updates. What are Microsoft telling us? Yeah, kind of a, a week for developing developments. I don't think we're breaking anything particularly spectacular, but just uh, for those who, who are uh, interested in such things. Did you download the Windows 10 anniversary update? I could well have. I must. I'll put my hand up and I say I've been very lazy, and Windows has been doing its own updating, so I've just left it to it. So I actually think that I have, uh, because I woke up one morning, turned on the computer, and everything was different. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, yes. it sounds like you have. <laughs> yes. But if if you're ever uncertain as to whether you have the most recent. Uh, update on Windows 10 and um, there's a very simple code there's a very simple reference that uh, Microsoft used to do this and it's a it's a four digit code the first two is the year and the second two is the month right so the current the anniversary update was 1607 so it was released at the um, uh, 2016 July so uh, on Twitter it was announced that um, chap by the name of Tero Alonen, Alhonen, yep, and a uh, Twitter user going by the handle of Walking Cat found reference to a version 1703, Ooh. which means that we're looking at another big update in March of 2017. Very now, that good. kind of fits in with um, the cycle of releases that Microsoft said they would be doing. They said that they would be doing... Um, uh, three um, three updates per year. So I guess March, kind of April-ish, uh, three updates a year. But they were also kind of uh, controversial for a while because they said that once, um, once you have your update, we're not going to support the previous one. Uh, but now they've, they've reined that in a little bit. They said, if you have, we'll call it version one, right? You have until version three, before we stop supporting you, if you know what I mean, right? So instead of you losing support at version two, you lose support at version three, which gives you a little bit of time to, to catch up. So kind of Microsoft, yeah, it does. So Microsoft is starting to become very Apple-esque in that, you know, you use the latest version of our software and we will support it. And if you're on anything older than that, well, tough. Um, yeah, actually, sorry, I have to correct myself here. Um uh, yeah, old versions of Windows um, Windows 10. The update cycle I told you with sort of um, update three, we'll, we'll see number one uh, uh, unsupported. They, they've actually changed that where every version will have continued support for 18 months, which probably puts about a year uh. on top of the version support you were meant to have. Okay, so it's essentially the same thing. They're not going to be supporting things like, you know, the, uh, one of the great things about XP was they supported it for, what, 10 years? More? 
Yeah, yeah. But you, you know what the plan with uh, Windows 10 is that uh, it's not Windows 10, it's just Windows, basically. You'll mm. be running Windows 10 until the end of time. Um, so it makes you wonder what they're going to do with the nomenclature after a while. I mean, after 20 updates to Windows 10, are they just going to rebrand it Windows or, I don't know. Will they call it something Microsoft else? Microsoft operating system. <laughs> oh, goodness, goodness knows. Goodness knows. All right. Well, we keep uh, we, I'll mark it into my diary anyway for the uh, uh, the third month of next year. <laughs> Check my laptop. Mm-hmm. Uh, another story that's uh, just kind of it keeps going with uh, Microsoft. There's a lot of kind of developing uh, things with Microsoft this week. Is the row with the Americans who are trying to get their hands on Microsoft data services that are located in our little country, sitting on the eastern edge of the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, this seems to be a row that keeps going and going and going. Um, uh, just a little bit of background on this. There is a, a case involving the Silk Road, which was uh, a very successful uh, dark web marketplace. Um, shut down the founder, Ross Ulbricht, uh, serving, a, I think it's a life sentence at the moment. I don't think he's ever going to get out of prison. And um, another gentleman who was convicted um, shortly thereafter for running the second version of it. There's also an Irish connection. So um, it looks like uh, part of the case that the American Department of Justice wanted to put together involved emails that were being held on a server over here. Um, And what they wanted was that their argument was this is information by a U.S. citizen, probably, you know, sent within the U.S. border. Therefore, we have some, you know, we, we have a legal argument for it. Hmm. Um, so give it up. Um, to which we said, actually, no, we're a separate country. We have our own data protection laws. We're going to abide by them. By them and uh, you can't have them. Now, a court in America actually agreed with that. But on more of the terms of... Um, the legal framework not being in place as opposed to a blanket. This is an affront to people's individual rights kind kind of a, an angle. So um, four lawmakers in the States have gotten together and they've said, well, let's, let's have a look at the uh, legislation that's in place and see if we can tweak it. Because, of course, um, when, you know, technology is so far ahead of the law that um, I think the, the um, Electronic Communications Privacy Act um, which is which governs sort of uh, domestic communications in the states is thirty years old now. I mean, you know, an awful lot has happened in thirty years. Um, but uh, another school of thought is that thirty, the 30 years ago, might, I'm just I'm just trying to place that thirty years ago was 1985. Now, what did you or I or anybody else know about the internet in 1985? Wow. Yeah, I know it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, very. So that's, I mean, that's that's the reasoning that is still left behind. You know, I mean, you're looking at things to do with fax machines, basically, you know. Um, so the Department of Justice are thinking that, you know, maybe instead of going off and making whole scale changes or introducing new laws, they can just tweak ones that uh, exist already. One of which is the International Communications Privacy Act that uh, maybe you might be able to tweak, um, tweak that to treat email the same way as you might uh, an international phone call between somebody in the, Uni- the United States and somebody overseas. Um, so it's a it's a discussion that's ongoing, put it that way. Personally, I can't see the European Union uh, pushing up with any of this nonsense. Um, 
I think uh, the data is ours. It's mm. resting on Irish servers. It's going to come under the jurisdiction of the General Data Privacy Act mm. or the data, General Data Privacy Regulations, it's GDPR, uh, which is even worse news for, for um, the United States government because basically under GDPR, you have to have a reason for holding on to information for a while. You also have a right to know if it's being interrogated for use against you. So, yeah. Uh, not exactly the sort of thing that um, uh, law enforcement agencies want to be telling people. No, and actually... And hey, Dusty, not, you're, you're under investigation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not the kind of thing, though, I think uh, either you or I would be particularly worried about. But it'll be interesting to see uh, how it goes because they're, they're organising this uh, transatlantic uh, trade uh, thing at the moment, the TTIP, uh, that a lot of people are, are, are giving out about and the EU are very close to closing their deal with Canada and a trade partnership with Canada, which will form the basis of the American one. So it looks like the EU very much kind of want to be in bed and uh, with the Americans, so to speak, and getting all, all lovey-dovey. And, but obviously that whole information and holding data on servers in Europe is, is the complete opposite as far as the EU is concerned. So Well, it, it comes down to the, the total disconnect in how America sees data and how Europe sees data. Yes. America sees data as a natural resource that you mine. Europe sees data as personal property. Yes. And it's private thoughts and it's private communications. And, uh, you know, do you know what? I'm glad I'm on this side of the Atlantic. Very glad. Very glad. Listen, uh, yes, also also with uh, Microsoft this week, my favourite thing, the thing I want for Christmas. Now, uh, we just ba- ba- barely heard uh, breaking last week on the programme uh, that Microsoft are going to be releasing their, their HoloLens so that you can get your hands on it. Uh, you've got an idea of when and you've got an idea of how much it's going to cost. Uh, yeah, well, uh, ultimately, Microsoft made this grand announcement and we were very excited about it. And I went back and I went looking for specifics. And uh, all, all I can really tell you is thus. Um, the HoloLens is coming to Australia, France, Germany, Ireland, the UK and New Zealand um, to add to its uh, availability in the US and Canada um, by the end of this year, which I guess it's not that far away. Nope. Actually, we're, we're in October. We're almost into the Christmas run now. As soon as we get Halloween out of the way, it, it's Christmas, essentially. 55 days, as I recall in my youth. Oh! You know, after Halloween, it's only 55 oh, days to Christmas. There's a man who's been working on his Santa list already, I can tell. <laughs> anyway, listen. <laughs> well, so, I tell you, we don't have three grand around the place to, uh, to spend. That, that was my next go. question. How much is it going to It's going to be about three grand to, uh, to buy it yeah, and stick it in it, my stocking. It looks like a, that, that's based on the US experience. Um, and you can imagine that we're not going to get the benefit of any currency fluctuations or anything like that over here no and bear in mind the the applications at the moment you know it's it's manufacturing and aerospace are mm. mostly getting the use out but it. it's until the third-party developers come along and go oh here's something cool that you can do yeah. with your hololens at home but that's exactly uh, we don't have that yet that's exactly why they i think they are releasing it they're releasing it i think for two types of people one would be uh developers who can get in and they can start coding with this thing and start doing some amazing stuff and then there's other people like me who i mean i do a bit of web coding but certainly nothing a uh, uh, computer program later or anything close to hololens um f- for me it would be a toy and now I can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> but if I was a millionaire, I'd buy it as a toy because I just think it's amazing. If I keep saying it and keep talking about HoloLens, 
look it up on YouTube and see some of the demonstrations. You're essentially putting on this, you know, kind of large headset, which I'm sure they will get smaller as days come. But you will still see the room around you and then you can uh, superimpose screens wherever you want in the room. So you could say over my fireplace, I want to have a, a Netflix type screen. OK, and that's what they'll show there. And it'll be look like you have a HD screen sitting over your fireplace. And then on your desktop, you could have a, a Skype screen. Uh, then right in front of you, you could have a, a, a website or whatever. And then depending on where you move your head, you look at the, uh, the various windows, uh, augmented reality. And then when they start doing, there was other demonstrations that I saw. And this is what kind of blew me, right? Um, was they were doing, it was something like a large fish, like a shark or something like that. All right. Uh, and their whole thing with the augmented reality was the shark was there in real size in your living room and you could wow. walk around it and see what it looked like in 3D. It's just, it's mind blowing. So for three grand, no, no, I wouldn't spend three grand. <laughs> yeah, but if I had yeah. a friend with three grand, I'd get them to buy it. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I would love to try the HoloLens. It just absolutely okay. sounds it. Anyway, that's... Well, can, can, can we talk about something other than Microsoft now? Yes, yes. Uh, how about... Uh, ah! Twitter. Yeah. Um, Twitter has been trying to sell itself, which, which, you know, says an awful lot about, you know, its profitability and its prospects mm. and all this kind of thing. Um, not, you know, not Twitter is looking to acquire. Twitter is looking to sell itself. Mm. Um, and why would they bother really? Well, well one of the reasons that maybe um, uh, the management isn't terribly convinced of its long term commercial potential. Um, the second quarter results actually didn't meet expectations. They they were projecting um, 607 million in revenue, came in 602 million, slightly underneath, but really... Uh, you would be looking at, at social networks to be beating um, expectations. 313 multi monthly average users um, and a bid initially of, I think they were looking for 16 billion for themselves. Mm. And the suitors were Google, Disney, um, Salesforce. I think Reuters were in the picture there for a while as well. And one by one, they, they were sort of picked off. Um, Google probably just looked at the price tag and went, no, we're, we're going to step back from this. Um, Salesforce were looking at it from a sort of, we could turn it into maybe some kind of corporate social network for a short messaging, uh, or maybe we might be interested in data mining. Disney had a look at it briefly, and they stepped back. Do you Would you hazard a guess at why Disney would not be bothered with Twitter? I think uh, probably to do with something with the uh, the type of people that are on Twitter would not be the basically, type of people Disney would want to be associated with. Basically, yes. Uh, Twitter's inability to deal with trolls um, basically meant that it couldn't secure its asking price of sixteen billion, and Salesforce's bid was in the end was twelve billion, which was which was rejected. So you know, is is Twitter's complete uselessness when it comes to abuse? Is that what costed four billion and you know a, a sale to uh, to some class of corporate sugar daddy? I think so. Uh, I mean, the previous CEO Dick Costolo um, said, you know, we suck at dealing with trolls. Mm. He, he just came out and said it very plainly, uh, and it's true. I mean, you know, they haven't done anything to inspire confidence in me uh, when it comes to having a, a moderating a yeah. civilised debate. I mean, the only, the, one of the few places where I've seen, the only way to properly moderate a debate is to have a human being actually moderating it. You see, you see how well boards.ie, you know, 
operates, and that's because um, they have it. They have a moderator for each of the uh, the sections who uses their you know their their knowledge and their history of the market and the discussion and what's being said and all of these billions of things that a computer would never figure out. Uh, and that's why boards do it so well. It's the human touch. Yeah, it's a human touch, and they they know when something is worth defending and when it isn't. Uh, I mean, they 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 do get their cease and desist letters, and they will just look at a form and go, "Yeah, you know what? It's not worth our while fighting this." Um, you know, freedom of speech and all that. Yeah, yeah there there are limits. But uh, as a side note, I mean, for um, the current U.S. presidential election, one of the criticisms that was leveled at Donald Trump by Hillary Clinton was that he he campaigns by tweet, yeah, or mm. that he he would look to govern by tweet. Mm. Um, and uh, there was a study done by Professor Philip Howard of the University of Oxford who had a look at the Twitter traffic in the night of the first debate which was on the 26th of September and the four days after when there was the, the fallout and he found that um, and you're, you're going to like this actually it's, it's a very interesting statistic, statistic. Um, so what he did was he tracked um, pro-Trump hashtags and he tracked some pro-Hillary hashtags. And then he figured out which, um, what the percentage was of tweets that were using these hashtags were more than likely from automated bot accounts. And he had sort of a benchmark of 50 tweets per day, right? So if you were doing 50 tweets per day of, you know, of, you know Trump 2016 or mm. Trump Pence 2016, one of the recognized hashtags, one of the more popular hashtags, um, if you were firing out 50, though, 50 of those a day, you might be a bot. So um, that was his benchmark for analysis. He found 1.8 million tweets for Trump, 613,000 for Clinton. Of those tweets for Trump, he found that 32.7% came from accounts that posted a minimum of 200 tweets in those four days. So nearly a third of the accounts promoting Donald Trump mm. in the days after the first debate were most likely bots. OK, that sounds like a great headline, OK? But you've got to remember that this is politics uh, and Hillary Clinton equally has social media experts. I bet you she was doing the same thing as well, was she? Yeah, they... Uh, <laughs> Let's let's not go crazy and say that you know the world is without fault here. I mean, exactly. everybody everybody is good at manipulating this, social I, media. If anything, actually, Hillary knows a thing or two more about servers. Well, oddly, oh, oh, <laughs> oh no! That it was just under the desk. I didn't realize we were using that for my personal email. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, yes, I mean, Hillary isn't isn't whiter than white in this. No. They found that 22%, of tweets uh, favouring her came from bots. And if you were a neutral, oddly enough, there were 23% of tweets from automated accounts that were combining sort of a bit of both. Yeah, now, whether this is, you know, both both sides' official social media teams using bots or uh, whether it's, you know... The, the ground the ground troops I guess you'd call them just you know, the, impassioned supporters yeah no it's not impassioned supporters they they know all about it all about it I'm quite sure I'm quite, anyway listen that, that that whole election actually do you know what it's going to be a very interesting uh, next uh, two three weeks in the run up to uh, November the 4th isn't that when the election is um, November the 8th yeah November I just want it to be over I've <laughs> had enough of it yeah. yeah you want to find out who wins <laughs> It's well, like, well, it's kind of important. I think for it's us. going to be whoever wins the head is going to be in the hands. There you go. Anyway, on that note, we'll wrap up the news for this week. Nalal, thank you very much. 
This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's TechCentral.ie. The tech gathering we know and love called Congregation is back on the last weekend of November in where else but the town of Kong in County Mayo. This is the fourth year of the event and more than 100 experts from all over Ireland and overseas are expected to present talks on the theme of the future. To tell us more, I'm joined on Skype at the moment by our uh, friend from Congregation and founder as well, Owen Kennedy. Owen, uh, we've talked many times in the past about Congregation. Um, for people who might have missed those com- uh, those conversations, paint a picture for me very quickly about the venues that you hold the uh, Congregation in, in Mayo. Hi, Dusty, how's it going? So one of the things that's really different about Congregation is instead of using a big auditorium with one speaker at the top of a room, we break everybody into groups of 12 called huddles and we use everything from bookstores to gift stores to bars to restaurants to coffee shops all spread throughout Kong Village. So at any one time, you could have up to 30 people presenting at any one particular time. So what I love about this is kind of to sum up the weekend, it's like going for lots of coffee meetings. <laughs> Absolutely. So part of what we were trying to do was rather than, because we realised that for a lot of tech gatherings, it's the level of information being thrown at people is really condensed. So we were trying to mimic real world conversations where people will share the key things they wanted to talk about, the key nuggets, and to share them in the most social kind of real world scenario. And the fact that everyone's presenting means that everyone pays a lot more attention than normal. And everyone has seen each other's posts that have already been published in advance. So when you get down to it, it's people sitting around a coffee table, three people self-select, a chair guides the proceedings. And they just talk through the main points of what they want to cover and they take the debate from there. Now, I'm guessing because you're about to go into your fourth year of it that it's a success. Um, looking back on last year, what was one of the highlights for you? So one of the highlights last year was something new we introduced on the childcare. Um, we, we provided free childcare workshops for the kids mm. of the attendees. And it, it kind of changes the, the, the ethos of the event. So it's not just for parents, it's also for kids. And also frees up parents so there's less of the feeling guilty about heading off to doing a tech conference in the west of Ireland. And it just adds a better, another wider dimension to it. I know. The other thing from, from last year that, that kind of really struck me was stories throughout the year of people coming back who have done business with each other. Because what people said was that you know, you can almost search and find all information if you search kind of hard enough. So part of what Congregation did was it condensed that information really, really quickly, which helped people. But what they really got out of it was they got to find out what people were really like. So it's hard to find out if you see a speaker up on stage, you know what really makes them tick? What are they really like when you're around a small table and people are probing and they're, they're dropping in their own perspective on a topic? You really get a sense of what makes somebody tick. So it's not the story of people working together last year. So it's a good learning weekend uh, and it's an excellent networking weekend. And also the fact that you can bring your kids, uh, it means it's almost like a weekend away. That's tax deductible. Yeah. And actually this year, so for the kids this year, they're going to be doing robotics workshops in the morning. And we'll have movie at lunchtime and food. And then in the afternoon, they'll be doing makey-makey workshops, which includes everything from conductive clay to making circuits and having fun with electronics. 
So they're um, they're going to be hyper stimulated as well. I think I think I'm going to go, and I'm just going to go for the kids' end of things. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> terrific fun. Tell me, what kind of uh, speakers have you got la- la- lined up for this year, and uh, and what kind of topics are you going to cover? Because, like I said in the intro, you know, you're you're covering the theme of the future. What what, what exactly do you mean by that? Yeah, so it's really broad. So the first year of congregation was social media, then it was digital media, and last year it started morphing into how technology is impacting on work and people's lives. And a lot of the really best topics that came up were people who just started using their crystal ball and looking at what they thought was going to happen in their sector. So this year, there's quite a few in education. um, And what seems to come out of a lot of those submissions that have come through is the need in a world where everything's going to be automated, the need to kind of have um, kids be more creative and how do we keep that creative spirit going. There's others who are looking at the future of mobility, transport um, with automated cars, Others kind of looking at the future of work um, and remote work in particular. Uh, some other really interesting ones on play, as in the future, how will we play? What will play look like? A lot of people interesting looking um, at the future in the context of the past. And I'll come back to that in, the, in a second because it fits in with the a team of the Friday night. I, I, you know, to look forward, you need to look back and analyze what's happened before and not make the same mistakes. And then there's quite a few on augmented reality and artificial intelligence and augmented reality. Um, and one of the other things that blends with this year is that the Friday, Saturday of the conference is all about the future. But we were also doing an event in Ashford Castle, um, where, which was the, for last year was the first year we did it, where we had four speakers looking at the past or telling stories of the past using future technologies. So that could be one speaker talking about DNA analysis and how that and ancestry, another using augmented reality and uh, archaeology. And another speaker who uses these um, Connect, Microsoft Connect, uh, in museums. So as people are looking at museums, it becomes a totally interactive kind of experience. So Friday night is the past meets the future. Saturday is all about the future. And then this year, we're running archaeology workshops or archaeology tours on the Sunday. So you get past meets the future, the future, and then the past, because the past is so important to look into the future. I'm drawing a map. I'm almost up with you. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I do. I did. You know, I totally get what you, uh, what you mean, because it was funny just before we came on air. Uh, I was I was saying to own that. I says, well, tell me about what worked last year. Do you know what I mean? Instead of just talking about what's what's coming up in, the, in this year's conference. And, and that's exactly what you're doing when you're talking about the future. You're considering what happened in the past so you don't uh, make the same mistakes again. Um, if people want to get involved, own. Um, Tell, tell me the normal way and then let's uh, find a way of blagging your way in. <laughs> OK, so the normal way is that we've been looking for topics and we have about 75 topics up on congregation.ie already. Um, so people submit a topic and, and with a quick synopsis. And then after that, they're given a little bit more time to produce a full submission, which is 600 words minimum and um, talking about their topic. And once that goes up on the website, that is their ticket. They have then blogged their way in. So at the moment, just any, anyone out there who's interested in participating, just send us along the topic they, on the future that they would like to discuss with a synopsis. And once it blends in topic area, that goes up on the website. And then they have to do their little bit of homework, which is produce a submission in advance. And then it means that they're free up until the event happens. So they've done all their hard work. And then on the day, they just show up and they sit down and discuss their topic area. And do many people do presentations on their laptops and show pictures and graphs and notes? And Or is it very much a conversational kind of a presentation? Yeah, yeah. so in previous years, we've had um, screens in each of the venues and they haven't been used that often because Good. 
Um, and, and this year we're going to discourage it outside of ones that have a lot of data that they need to show mm. because the better conversation, the temptation is if people do a PowerPoint is that they'll have long run-ins to it and by the time they get to their the meat of what they wanted to talk about, they've already used up their 10 minutes. <laughs> exactly, so exactly. This, this kind of forces people to get straight into the meat of it and people will respect One big rule of congregation is no self-promotion i.e. people will respect you for what you share and the insights that you kind of give mm. and you don't have to give a long lead run-in. And the temptation, if you've done a PowerPoint presentation, is you spend 10 minutes talking about yourself. But what I really like about it, Owen, is that it's just it's kind of like a really big, small meeting uh, and just having you know, all those various little coffee mornings and events that, that you go out and you meet so many people and then you do the networking and you learn so much. If you want to bring kids, uh, that's fine. They get looked after. Uh, I just think it's absolutely a, a brilliant idea. And it's obviously going from strength to strength. This is your fourth year. It's happening the last weekend in November. And if you want to get involved and find out more, you can check out Owen's website. It's congregation.ie. Now, just before we go this week, uh, Niall Kitson's still with me. Niall, what's our one more thing, the one story that's online that we couldn't squeeze into the podcast? Yeah, well, there's a wonderful research project going on in the University of Limerick at the moment doing work on soft exoskeletons, which is basically trousers that could hold you up. As opposed to you holding your trousers up. (laughs) Or as opposed to me even trying to get them on in the first place. (laughs) But there you go. Uh, Christmas is coming. I'll start the diet in January. You can get more details on that story and, of course, all the uh, Irish tech news with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more from techcentral.ie as well as our weekly tech radio show online and every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next week, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and Niall Kitson, Tech Central HQ. Have a great weekend. See you. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.